Hello, hello, and welcome to Soccer Made in Portland on OregonLive.com and Stumptown Footy. My name is Chris Reifer, and joining me as always, the Timbers and Thorns beat writer for the Oregonian and OregonLive.com, Jamie B. Goldberg. Jamie B., what's going on? Um, well, I, I think like everyone in Oregon, I've been, you know, celebrating Eclipse Day, um, which seems to mean don't do any work uh, or, or leave the house or something since I ran to absolutely no traffic going anywhere today. But, um, you know, see, kind of seeing uh, uh, the sun go away for a little bit, not as well as if I'd gone down to Salem or anything like that, but kind of neat little day uh, in Oregon, seeing everyone out with their glasses, um, checking out the eclipse. Yeah, it was it was very neat. I'm kind of fatushed because the way everybody was talking before this, it sounded like I-5 down south of Salem was yeah. just going to be like a <laughs> basically a scene out of some bad like 90s disaster movie. Um and so like I didn't really even strongly consider going, uh which I now regret because honestly, you know, I I sort of like looked earlier in the morning, uh but I'd already decided at least in my head that I was just going to go to work. I looked earlier in the morning and uh, and it was, you know, I mean, it would have taken longer than normal to get down there, but not egregiously so. Uh, and so, you know, I'm, I, I'm a little bit frustrated that I didn't go down, sort of call it and, and, and just go down and, and check out the path of Tatalia and all that and all that business. Even if it would have been a little bit of a struggle to get back, it, it looks like people did. Um, so, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm embittered about that. But nonetheless, it was a cool experience in Portland. Uh, just sort of went up on on sort of the roof of of my building uh, that I work in and, and took it in. I looked through uh, somebody there had a, uh, a a welding glass, not like glass, not like welding glasses, but like welding glass itself. Um, and that was actually really neat. Uh, it was even a little bit clearer than the glasses that that I think most folks had. Uh, and it was still obviously very well protected because it was welding glass, but, uh, yeah, it was, it was pretty great. So it was a lot of fun, but it was a total ghost town Oh yeah, downtown, <laughs> total ghost town, which seems to me to be a little bit of overkill unless everybody was just smarter than me and actually went down and enjoyed it in, in the path of totality, uh, as was more possible than I made it out to be in my head. Um, but yeah, they, you were there for the timbers to, to enjoy it. Who had, that you saw the funniest, best reaction to it. Um, you know, actually, I, I wasn't there. I just went. I got the photos. Um, it was you're a, an imposter. It was a you're an imposter. It was a closed practice. So I, I was like, you know, there, there's really no point of going out there because I, I would have had to sit inside at the exact moment that the eclipse was happening. They wouldn't have let me see that because um, the practice Seriously? closes. It closes right about ten fifteen. Is when they set, kick you inside. Um, and, but, and but it, they, they wouldn't have like made an eclipse, an eclipse exception I, I to be was, like, Hey, everybody's watching the eclipse. This isn't a big like state secret. <laughs> I, I, I don't really know, but, um, I, I got worried about the traffic as well. Um, just even getting down there. Um, so it was kind of a plan in advance. Uh, Caleb Porter's doing his availability tomorrow. The practice was going to be closed today. Um, so I actually was watching all the photos with, with everyone else got, got some extra photos sent to me as well from, uh, uh, Jamie Chin with the the Timbers, um, who was there. Um, but yeah, I, I am planning on asking the guys tomorrow a little bit about what their um, perception was. It certainly uh, from some of the photos, you know, Lawrence Olin looked like he was having a good time and um, some of the other guys were as well. Uh, I saw a video too of them kind of joking around playing with the glasses. Um, so it did look like they had a good break time, but uh, 
yeah, I, I, I don't really know what uh, media availability would have been able to be. I guess maybe I could have tried to plead my way in there, but um, definitely wasn't on the schedule that anyone outside the players would be allowed out there. That would have been like the most killjoy thing they could have possibly done to be like, no, actually, you have to sit inside during the eclipse, even though there's no real reason uh, to let you outside. That would have been that would have been uh, spectacular if if they had done that. Uh, Best sort of social media presence I I saw was David Guzman gets that award uh, because apparently he like he like FaceTimed it with his with his family that I thought was very cute uh, with with his wife and his little boy. And so I, I thought that was very cool. Um, everybody else, yeah, you know, the ordinary, uh, oh, look, the sun's only partially there, um, kind of stuff. Uh, hopefully nobody, uh, hopefully all of the Timbers glasses were, you know, approved, uh, and were not like the fake ones, because that would be, uh, bad to have an entire team with retinal damage. Um, but I haven't heard anything like that. There's been no sort of like, uh, no sort of, uh, string of a bunch of players undergoing successful, uh, ophthalmological Hmm? ophthalmological surgery or something like that. So, uh, so I'm going to infer from that that everybody came out of it okay uh, and that there are no additional injuries uh, as a result of the eclipse, although that would be very 2017 <laughs> now. Uh, let's talk about the soccer that happened. Uh, the Timbers, they won 2-0 to zero over the New York Red Bulls. Our predictions, yeah, you know, you called a 1-1 draw with a Laris Mabiala goal. It wasn't a 1-1 draw. The Timbers won. Uh, Laris Mabiala didn't have a goal as much as a red card, so I think it's fair to say that's just zero points right there. Um, I called a 4-1 win for the Timbers with a Fernando Adi hat trick. He didn't even play in the game, so, you know, there that goes out the window there. In fairness to us, we recorded on Monday before we had sort of the injury updates, so we we're inferring from pre-Toronto information that, you know, in not super unusual fashion turned out not to be great. Um, and the, the 4-1 win, obviously not the scoreline, but did get the result. But I mean, that's kind of a meh, uh, kind of prediction. So I'm going to go ahead and just give myself 6.21 points, uh, for just getting the result. And I guess a multi-goal win, uh, out of it. Do you think that, that, that's a fair assessment there? Sure. Uh, I'll okay. give it to you. 6.21 points for me, 0.00, <laughs> 0.00 points for you. Um, I mean, what did you think about this game as a whole? Actually, let's start here. I'm going to rearrange the mental notes. Let's just start here. Was that the most boring game of the year? Yeah, I, I off the top of my head, I can't think of one uh, that was more boring. Uh, obviously, after Valeri scored, there was a bit more excitement, um, both with whether or not New York was going to be able to get that goal back, the, the red card, and then ultimately the timber scoring. So that last um, little portion of the game, was a bit more exciting, but I think right before that, I, I tweeted out a sarcastic tweet about how unbelievably boring <laughs> the game had been so far. So yeah, um, it, it was not a particularly exhilarating game to watch uh, up until Valeri's goal. Um, I, I can't imagine anyone who was watching their first soccer game uh, would have been all that impressed <laughs> by what they saw. Um, probably more impressed with uh, what they saw out of the Timbers Army than the stuff on the field. Um, yeah, I, it definitely wasn't up there as one of uh, the games I'm going to remember uh, as being riveting in the future. Yeah, it was for the first hour plus, it was absolutely mind numbing. Uh, it was one of those where, yeah, I mean, it's it's pretty rare that I watch a soccer game and I have thoughts where I'm just like, and especially a Timbers game where I'm like, I would actually prefer to be doing other things right now. <laughs> uh, but it really was that bad for the first hour plus. Uh, the Timbers scored in a goal that, although certainly a good play by both Diego Chara 
uh, and and Diego Valeri, obviously, to finish it off. It wasn't a, a terribly like riveting goal. It wasn't some like fantastic buildup. It wasn't some amazing strike. It wasn't anything like that. It was kind of a okay, uh, you know, they they won the ball impressively off a throw in. Long cross in, Valeri clinically finishes it. Okay, I mean, you know, even that was sort of a boring goal. And then it was sort of just like the the familiar anxiety, right, that we've seen from the, the Timbers this year. Anytime they're in the lead, uh, all of a sudden they, they look a little weak-kneed. I, I think they very much did in this game. Sasha Kleston came on and, and I thought really started to dictate the game uh, for the Red Bulls. And, and they had, you know, I mean, not great chances until the Salzizo header, uh, but... You know, I mean, they looked like they, they certainly could uh, open up a chance like that Salzizo header. They did. Jeff Adanella came up with a great save. Uh, Laris Mabiala uh, ended up, say, a few minutes before that, ended up uh, pulling, uh, who was it, Felipe? Who got through? I can't even remember now. Oh, uh, it was Verone, I think. Now, yes, it was Verone. Uh, got, Verone got through. Uh, Laris Mabiala pulled him back in what was, I think, about the easiest dog so red card you can imagine. Turned out to be a good play. It was it was a free kick that, that the Red Bulls missed, uh, and and the Timbers hung on for the win in spite of the red card. So, I mean, as red cards go, that was sort of a productive one because otherwise he would have been through on goal. But I mean, even in among all of that, there were there. It's not like there was great excitement. It was just, oh my gosh, are they going to do this again? Kind of stuff. So I'm going to go ahead and say yes. It was the most boring game of the year, at least that I watched uh, from a Timbers perspective. But hey, they got three points. So. Uh, more encouraging or worrisome, the Timbers win or their meh performance? I, I, I'm definitely on the more encouraging side. And that's because, I mean, we have been critical of the Timbers this year for blowing late leads and not being able to close out games. And so I, I think they deserve credit when when they are able to find that second goal. Um, obviously, it was at, at the very end of the game, moments before uh, the whistle blew. But when they're able to find that second goal, when they're able to... Um, close out the game, not let the other team score the equalizer. Um, I think they deserve credit for that. And I think especially coming off the Toronto game where, where we were really questioning their mentality, saying this is a soft team, um, and they still you know, have to do a lot more to prove they're not. Um, but I do think it showed a, a good mindset, a good mentality to be able to close out that game. And while New York had some dangerous chances at the end, the Timbers were down a man, and that has to be expected once they went down to 10 men. And they were able to do what they needed to do uh, to prevent New York from finding that goal um, and, and ultimately get the second one to close out the game, uh, put it away be- moments before the final whistle blow. So, uh, blew. so I, I do um, think that's more encouraging. I'd like to see more of that sometimes. Um, that's what you need out of a good, good teams. Uh, just for a team, it doesn't have to be pretty, um, but just be, to be able to grind out a game and get the win no matter what. And that's something the Timbers have not always been able to do. That's something I think you'll see the best teams in any league. Uh, that's something they'll do consistently. Um, so I'm hopeful, uh, but we'll see the Timbers might be able to build off this in terms of at least their mentality um, and maybe use it as a jumping off point going into the next few games. Um, it wasn't pretty, but they got three points. And I think that is something to be excited about. You know, I've sort of gone back and forth on this over the course of the last few days, and I, I'm falling on, on the more worrisome side. And the reason is, look, yes, the Timbers won, and that is good, and, and yes, they sort of weathered a bit of a storm in order to get the win, and, and that is good. Uh, you know, yes, Jeff Adanella made a play that we've not seen uh, Timbers goalkeepers make, 
Um, you know, and, and so credit to them in that regard. But to be honest, this is not a Red Bulls team that they should have had a hard time with. And yes, it is true, as we'll talk about in a moment, and as Caleb Porter talked about post-game, that the Red Bulls really came out in a way to sort of to to sort of disrupt and to make it difficult for the Timbers. But still, I mean, teams have done that before. Teams have come to Providence Park looking to be disruptive before, and the Timbers have found a way, nonetheless, in in many instances, to still dominate the game. Frankly, this was not a game that the Timbers dominated at any point, in any phase, and it was against a Red Bulls team, to be honest, that, you know, all but a two or three of the guys in their 11 were not regulars. And that is a Red Bulls team that the Timbers should have dominated. From the start, uh, they should have gotten an early goal. They should have kicked the Red Bull sort of out of that that kind of uh, disruptive kind of mentality and forced them to play, and then they could have run all over them. And the reality is the Timbers didn't. The Red Bulls hung around and hung around and hung around and hung around and hung around finally until the 65th minute when the Timbers got, uh, you know, a, a decent but not exactly spectacular goal. And then we saw the plus one Timbers come right back. The Red Bulls had the better of the game basically from there on out uh, before and frankly after the red card. And, you know, I I just think that's the kind of thing where you look at the performance as a whole and you say, I mean, look, against any team other than this sort of highly weakened Red Bulls team, would that have been enough? Would that have been enough to, to hold on to that 1-0 lead? Would that have been enough uh, to come away with the win at Providence Park? I mean, if it was a good team like a Sporting Kansas City that's just a better team that does something like that, would they have beaten Sporting Sporting Kansas City at Providence Park on that day? I have a hard time believing they would have. Uh, And and so, I mean, that's the reality is as we're getting close to the playoffs, as we're getting uh, down the stretch here where the Timbers are going to need to pull out results and not just against highly weakened, tired, frankly, not very good teams, but also uh, against full strength, rested, very good teams. uh, I, I don't, take a whole lot from this other than the fact that, okay, the Timbers got three points that helps them immediately in the standings, but they still got to show a lot more than that. If they want to be legitimate competitors, is that sort of an unfair take? Yes. We've criticized them uh, for not closing out results when, when they play well, but they still need to play well, right? I mean, what they need to do is they need to both play well and get results. And here they kind of played like crud and nonetheless got the result. Yeah. I I mean, obviously you want to see them play better and, there's a reason why you look at this performance and say, meh, it's not their best performance. But I, I mean, one thing I, I think it's, you have to acknowledge that the Timbers were missing some of their key players as well. I mean, Gleason's been the starting goalkeeper and, and you saw Jeff and Jeff Adonella come in and step up and make that big play. And you look at, you know, I think the attack for much of the game just wasn't what you wanted to see out of the Timbers. It just wasn't good enough, but Hey, Audie wasn't in there. And Abobasi did not have a good game, and that's to be expected of expected of a young um, striker like him. I, obviously, he had shown well before, but it wasn't you know crazy to think that he might have a bad game at some point, given his age, given he's a rookie. But I think that did make a difference in, in the Timbers' attack, not having um, Audi out there and having a, a, a player that I just did not think played well at all. I, I think that limited the attack. So I, I think... Um, obviously Ridgewell as well wasn't in there, but that's more of a question of the whole season. But Mabial once again had to, um, kind of adjust to a back line as he's still adjusting, uh, to, to the team. Um, so I I think it's a little bit unfair to acknowledge that the Red Bulls were missing some of their best players and, and were playing on short rest and they were, and that's relevant and they were definitely weakened. But I think it's unfair to acknowledge that with at least 
without at least acknowledging that the Timbers were weakened as well. And I think particularly when you look at Abobasi and for Audi, that made a real big difference because Abobasi did not play at all as well as he did in Vancouver. And I, I think that hurt the Timbers attack throughout the game. I mean, that's fair, but the, you know, I don't, I don't see anything near equivalency between the, 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 what the Timbers were missing and what the Red Bulls were missing on the day. I mean, the Red Bulls were rolling out a team that would have been the equivalent of if the Timbers were missing Adi, uh, Valeri, Blanco, Chara, uh, Ridgewell, and, you know, and, and Mabiala or something like that. Uh, you know, I mean, it, it was a much, 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 much more weakened Red Bulls team than it was a Timbers team. And I, and I agree with you fully on Abobasi. It was absolutely the right call to start him. It is absolutely right to expect some performances like this uh, as, as he's still in his developmental phase over the next couple of years. Uh, and so I'm, I'm not at all troubled by that. I mean, that's sort of baked in. But the Timbers nonetheless still had wildly the better team on the field and yet did not have and, and did not put in the kind of performance that they needed to put in uh, in order to sort of dominate this game in the way that they should have. And, and yeah, I mean, I, I do find that worrying and I do find that troublesome considering we're now getting down to the portion of the year where the Timbers need to start playing some darn good soccer. Uh, and, and so maybe early in the year, I, w- I would have been more than happy to say, you know what, points, forget about it. It's early in the year. You have some up and down performances, but we're getting to the point now where the Timbers need to start consistently being better than that. Uh, with or without Audi, with or without Ridgewell. Uh, and, well, they weren't. Oh, what was the bigger factor in that, did you think? Did you think it was the Red Bulls sort of coming in to disrupt and, and, and their effectiveness? Uh, or did you, did you think it was the Timbers sort of uh, lacking execution? I mean, I think it was both. Uh, when you look at the Timbers' passing percentage, it was, I think you you reported this, it was the lowest it's been under Caleb Porter. They certainly didn't execute. Um, I, I think the Red Bulls, given their personnel, had a game plan and were effective in it, but other teams like, like you've said as well, have come in and tried to disrupt the Timbers. I don't think in all too different of a manner and the Timbers have done better uh, and should do better at home in being able to respond to that. So I, I, I do agree that I don't think the Timbers um, had their best game. I, I don't think they respond to the Red Bulls um, a, as they needed to. And, and they let the Red Bulls be more effective in their game plan. Um, than they should have been. Um, so I, I think ultimately if I have to, you know, pick a side on that, I, I do think it, it blame and that kind of lies more on the Timbers, but the Red Bulls did execute what they wanted to do and, and the Timbers didn't respond well to it. I think that's a pretty good answer. I'm just going to leave it there. Uh, Valeri, Diego Valeri had a goal and an assist and he came back to tie Fernando Adi uh, atop the club's all time leading goal scoring list. Who do you think ends the season on top of that list? I think Valeri does. Um, He's scored in four straight games now. He actually has, I I believe, in those four games, four goals and two assists. Uh, So he is getting himself on the score sheet quite a lot recently um, and doesn't seem to be stopping. Um, Audi, on the other hand, is injured right now. And before he was injured, was in a serious slump in in terms of his goal scoring. Um, Audi's goal scoring tends to go in waves and maybe we'll see him in I think the Timbers are hoping kind of start turning things on at the very end when he comes back from injury. Um, but right now, Valeri is the guy that that's carrying the Timbers um, when it comes to production. And I, I think he will continue to get on the score sheet. It, it's going to be um, knock on wood, but it, it's uh, kind of potentially going to be a career year for Valeri in, in goal scored. 
He's already tied uh, his previous record for goal scored in a season. Uh, he's still a little bit further back on assists, but he leads the Timbers in both categories. Um, it, it's actually been, you know, it's pretty impressive to see uh, a guy fifth year in MLS. I, I believe Larry's 31 um, to potentially be having his best season um, since he arrived in MLS uh, for a guy that's already been one of the best players in the league um, for years, a few years now. You know, it's funny, and we haven't really been talking about that a lot. I mean, it's not like throughout the year we've been like, man, Diego Valeri is on fire. And given it has been sort of a recent uh, emergence or, 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 or a recent surge that, is, that has really put him in that definite sort of like having a career year category. But yeah, he is. Uh, and, and it's probably something that we need to talk about more. Nonetheless, I think it's going to be Fernando Adi. Uh, and and I say that mostly for the sake of argument. Uh, but I, I also will go ahead and predict that I, I think he is going to come back sort of off this little injury layoff, hopefully within the, in, in the next game or two. He's going to come back, and he's going to be a, a little bit reset. Uh, and the, the layoff will have sort of the, the happy side effect uh, of getting him back in good goal scoring form, getting him, uh, you know, clearing out whatever w- w- was inhibiting him before. Uh, and, and he'll come back, and, and he's going to bang in goals over the course of the last month and a half or so. Uh, of the season. So that's my prediction on that. Uh, so I'm going to say Adi will finish the, the, the season atop the all time uh, goal scoring list. I, I, as far as, you know, I mean, overall quality of timber, you know, there's, there's no conversation here. Uh, JV and Joey. In fact, like everybody actually wants to know the answer to this question. Uh, so yeah, uh, they want to know why did Darren Maddox appear to be so subdued? Uh, after the goal, he scored to finish uh, it out. Uh, another way to put this, Jamie, uh, I think would be uh, if you could have any superpower, which would it be? And tell me why it isn't the ability to read minds. <laughs> What's wrong with the ability to read minds? That would be a pretty cool superpower. I mean, you might get a little bit because too much because then you then you have to decide you have to decidedly say why was Maddox so subdued because ah. you would have read his minds. Okay, well, um, yeah, I. <laughs> I do not know why he reacted like that. It, it was um, strange to see. Um, obviously, he just made a long run down the field. You, you'll you see, you know, maybe subdued reactions when a, when a player is a bit tired. But, you know, he had just come on. He's a professional soccer player. Um, it, it was the goal that sealed the game. So I, I really don't know. Um, it would be an interesting question to ask him. Um, but, yeah, it's like you said. It would be a cool superpower to have. I I, I actually um, think that would be a pretty neat one. It, it would come in handy in a lot of circumstances as long as you could turn it off and on as you wanted, not just That's hear everyone's thing, thought. Yeah. It, would be, it would be super overwhelming if you were just like yeah. walking down the street and it was just chitter chatter all oh, over Oh, yeah. No, that, that would be terrible. That would just make you go insane. But if you could turn it off and on when you wanted it, you, you, you'd be like whatever you want. You'd be the president. Well... You, you'd be whatever you want to, to be. You'd be pretty successful because reading minds would be a pretty useful um, skill to have. But if you couldn't it turn it be. off and off. That's definitely true. Uh, yeah, I have no idea why because I do not have that superpower. Uh, I actually kind of go back and forth on the superpower thing. I mean, uh, definitely like the most fun would be flying, right? Flying would be a good time. <laughs> uh, so if I were to, to choose it based on on fun, that would definitely be it. Um, super strength would be like kind of handy. You could probably be good at a lot of sports, uh, et cetera. Be a professional athlete. Seems like a good life. Um, but I, I, and, and it like actually super speed, like if it was truly super speed might actually inhibit that because 
can you really control yourself to only run the length of a soccer field uh, or a track or, or are you like totally off like the flash uh, going, uh, you know, so uh, interesting questions there. Uh, but yeah, because I'm, I, I, I don't have the ability to read minds. I don't know why Maddox was so subdued. I mean, it could be, you know, as, as I think a lot of people are sort of jumping to the conclusion, it could be that he's upset with his role with the Timbers. Okay. Uh, you know, I mean, that would be totally understandable in his situation. I'm sure, uh, on some level he would like a bigger role. Uh, I'm not sure he deserves a bigger role. Uh, but I, I'm sure he, he would want it. Uh, it might be that he just was tired or something. It might be that he just decided that's how he was going to celebrate that goal. It's not like he wasn't celebrating with his teammates. He, he was like high-fiving and giving hugs to guys and stuff like that. Uh, it might be that there was something else entirely going on in his life where he didn't really feel like celebrating a goal. It might be that he was just like, you know what? That goal wasn't really about me. I didn't really do much to make it. That was all the Diego's. Uh, I just almost actually kind of messed it up. So I'm going to, I'm going to celebrate in a way that's proportional to my contribution. (laughs) Uh, I mean, it could have been any of these things, uh, or something entirely different. So yeah, who knows? Um, but yeah, he is not on the injury report, which is something that is new, but there are like a bunch of other guys that are, uh, Liam Ridwell. On the injury report, we have a little bit of additional information on him. What do we know, Jamie? Yeah, we'll, we'll obviously have more information tomorrow, uh, hopefully. Um, but we, we were able to ask Porter about him uh, after the game. And, and it sounds like, and this is what Porter said last week as well, he will definitely be out for the Colorado game. Seattle does sound unlikely at this point. The way Porter put it was that the trainers believe he will be out uh, through Seattle. Uh, but Ridgewell believes he'll be back by then. So I'm going to go with the trainers on that one since they determine when he's allowed to step on the field um, and say that, yeah, it sounds like he'll be out for Colorado and most likely Seattle as well. Um, And we'll have to see after that uh, what the timeline looks like because it's Liam Ridgewell and these timelines have been extended multiple times this year. So um, I'm not willing to say he'll definitely be back after that point uh, until we see him in the starting sheet. Fernando Adi. Yeah, Adi, it's a little bit more unclear. It, it sounded like he might be out for Colorado again, but um, we're unsure about Seattle. I, I think Caleb Porter is a little bit more vague on that, so we'll have to get another update from him and, and see um, what it's looking like. But uh, I would say questionable um, for this week uh, at the minimum. One guy that was hobbling and ultimately came off uh, in in the game against the Red Bulls was Zarek Valentin. Uh, do we have any more information? Since you weren't at training today, I don't think we would. So I think that's probably just a question that's out there. But nonetheless, Alvis Powell came on uh, for him toward the end of the game against the Red Bulls uh, after Zarek appeared to be hobbling just a little bit. It didn't look like it was anything super major. It didn't look like there was any sort of particular injury, but once in a while, those things will turn into a one or two week thing. Uh, same sort of deal with Roy Miller, who looked to be grabbing his hamstring a little bit uh, toward the end of the game uh, with the Red Bulls. He stayed on. He did not come off. Uh, I think it was totally plausible, especially the way they were stretching him out a couple times when he went down, uh, that it was just cramping and that it's not a serious long-term thing. But another thing to keep in the back of your mind Jake Gleason uh, is basically the same status as last week. He, he picked up that hamstring injury in Toronto. Uh, not sort of a super clear timeline on that, but I mean, just almost by rule, those if, if it's a legitimate hamstring injury, as that one definitely was, uh, you almost never see anybody back, you know, more than much sooner than two weeks after the injury, and, and they can drag on a bit more than that. So given the way Jeff Adonello played against the Red Bulls, I don't think that's uh, what's causing the heartburn as much nearly a, a, as Adi or Ridgewell. 
Uh, but it is nonetheless a thing to keep uh, an eye on. Uh, let's do a standings check-in. It's that time of year where this become, needs to become sort of a regular uh, kind of thing for uh, for both the Timbers and the Thorns. Uh, but but certainly for the Timbers, they are sixth on points per game. Uh, they're on 1.42 points per game. They are, and the good news is, they are a full one, which is not a huge margin, but it's a decent margin. Uh, above the seventh place San Jose Earthquakes, we're at 1.32 points per game after their disappointing draw at home against the Philadelphia Union. Uh, they are one. They are point one point uh, points per game from third. Uh, so they're. I mean, you know, again, that's the kind of thing where if results go exactly right, uh, you know, you could see them get up to fourth or fifth uh, in, in one week. Uh, maybe even get within, uh, you know, touching distance of third, even in one week, if results go exactly right. Uh, but so, yeah, I mean, you can see that there is definitely both peril and promise, I think is is a good way to put it in the standings for the Timbers right now. A little bit of comfort beneath them. Uh, but you know, I mean, sixth is not an advantageous place to be by any means. Uh, if you had to predict today specifically what, where the Timbers would finish in the Western Conference, where would you guess that to be in light of what they have in front of them, their form, uh, the other teams in front of them? What would you say that that's going to be? They have some really big opportunities to get results in front of them. Um, obviously, they play a weak team in Colorado. They're they're going to play DC United still. They play an RSL team that ha- has been better, but but is still um, you know not really in the race uh, at this point. And, and they also play both San Jose and Vancouver, who I, I at the moment are the teams they are fighting with to ensure they at least make it to playoffs. Um, the Timbers have the opportunity to move up for, further up the standings, like you said. And, and obviously, if they went to Seattle and won, that, that could be really helpful in, in allowing them to do that. But I just haven't seen enough consistency out of this team. I think San Jose looks like a team that's fading. Um and so because of that, I'm going to say the Timbers are going to finish in sixth. And so I think the teams below San Jose aren't really in the race at this point. I think San Jose is fading. They just haven't shown enough to make it seem like they're going to have a surge at the end of the season here. Um, but the Timbers haven't been consistent enough for me uh, for me to think that they're going to move up the standings either. I think the other teams in the West uh, are going to hold on to those positions. I'm I'm maybe I'm the eternal optimist. Don't tell Caleb Porter. <laughs> uh, maybe I'm the eternal optimist. But I actually look at this, this at these sort of what remaining seven games, eight games, however many games are left, um, and I really like the way it sets up for the Timbers. You know, the we're going to talk about this in a moment. But uh, home game against Colorado is definitely one where you expect three points. Uh, they do then have a, a series of. And, and a tough series of, of three away games in which they've got Seattle, NYCFC, and RSL on the road. You know, I mean, those are sort of interesting games. The, the Timbers, that Seattle game, and we're going to talk about this in a moment too, that Seattle game sets up not terribly for the Timbers. The, the Timbers are coming off a Friday, Wednesday, Sunday sort of three-game week, but it's an extended week because they had that Friday and, and almost a, a completely normal week. Uh, between uh, b- between the New York and, and the Colorado games. So the Timbers aren't, aren't going to be sort of carrying the load that they ordinarily would into that third game uh, of that three-game week. Uh, unlike the Sounders, who are going Sunday, Wednesday, Sunday. And, and if you don't think those two days make a difference, they absolutely do. Uh, and so, you know, I mean, ordinarily against a hot Sounders team, albeit a hot Sounders team that looked less than convincing against Minnesota at home uh, on the weekend, 
you know, I mean, I, I think that's a game where they where they you can there are reasons to think the Timbers could go in into that one and overachieve. NYCFC Timbers are coming in on full rest uh, into New York City, uh, whereas NYCFC will be coming in on only partial rest. They have a midweek game uh, before before that one, and so again, uh, even though it's a tough road game against a tough opponent, that's one where there is a a, a significant factor that says, hey, the Timbers could come in and, and surprise some folks. And then that game at RSL, the Timbers, in spite of their horrific showing against RSL a, a few weeks ago are just a better team uh, over the course of the season. Uh, and I think even arguably right now are, are, are just a better team uh, than RSL is. Uh, and that's certainly one where, where they can go on the road uh, and, and get points. But I mean, even those sort of three games aside, then you look at the final four games and they are delicious. I don't think there's any team uh, that has a better final four game stretch than the Timbers do. Uh, they have Orlando at home. Orlando is a team right now, frankly, that's in a bit of a death spiral, uh, and very well could be pretty hopelessly outside of the playoff picture, uh, by this point, if if things continue going the way they have, then they go at to San Jose in a week in which San Jose also has a midweek game again. So they have that advantage and they have a, a, a game against a San Jose team that, as you noted, has been struggling recently. Then they have DC United at home. DC United is, uh, at this point. The, still among the worst teams in, in MLS. In fairness, I, I think they may have at least taken that that bragging right uh, and given it to Colorado over the weekend, especially with the own goal that Colorado scored against themselves. That was spectacular. Uh, and then the, the Timbers finished the season at home uh, against Vancouver uh, on decision day or whatever the heck we're going to call it this year. Uh, and, and, and again, I mean, there, there's almost no game you would rather have than a big game at home against a rival on that decision day because you sort of you, you sort of sit in the advantageous spot of being at home uh, fully rested and ready to go in that game. So I, you know, even though the Timbers, you know, after this game they are going to have four away and three home uh, remaining after Wednesday, they're going to have four away and three at home. I really like the way the schedule sets up. I think there are real advantages built into a lot of those games for the Timbers uh, that, that very well could allow them to go get more points than you would expect from some of those games. Uh, and, and I think that's a, that, that's pretty significant. Uh, this is what I mean when I say, you know, games in hand at this point is a double-edged sword. Because if you have games in hand, that means you're going to be playing a ton of soccer from here on out. You're going to have some midweek games. And that has a real effect on how uh, results pan out. It shows in the numbers every single year. Uh, and so, you know, I, I'm actually going to go ahead and say the Timbers are going to finish for those reasons. I'm going to say they're going to finish in fourth, which is, you know, again, not like super great, but it would give them a home game in that knockout round, which is very important. Uh, Timbers Rapids. Uh, Larius Mabiella, as noted, is going to be out on account of that red card. What are your sort of early expectations in in place of him? Is this just a case of Vitas Miller, uh, Olam, and then whoever is healthy of Paolo Adanella? Or or do you think... Uh, Porter could or Powell Adonella because Jeff Adonella is going to play right back uh, Powell <laughs> Valentin uh, or, or is there something else that Porter could do yeah no I, I think it has to be Olin Miller um, and that would leave uh, at center back and that would leave Vitas on the left um, the only caveat there uh, of course is if for some reason what looked like a cramp for Miller is a bigger problem and um, that comes out tomorrow or something like that but I don't see another good option um, for Porter. And and so uh, I think the hope would be that both Miller and Olam will be healthy enough. And um, that would put Vitas on the left. And and like you said, uh, Paller Valentin on the right. So once again, a a new back line, which is amazing. 
A uh, new one every week <laughs> it has been the way this season has gone. Uh, you know, last week we talked about how we sort of agreed that the Timbers uh, should expect six points out of the, this two-game stretch with, with Red Bulls and, and Colorado at home. Uh, but sort of the minimum level of, like, competency w- was four points. They got three points at the front end. Do you think that minimum sort of expectation is still four, or do you think it is fair to say it is now sort of six or failure uh, from this two-game stretch? Yeah, I think it is six, because I I think when looking at it, when we were giving them the four, that was more of a, well, if they get a tie against New York, um, that's acceptable. The Timbers have to beat a Colorado Western Conference opponent that has been terrible this year at home. This this is a game that they have to... Two points. Two points in 10 games uh, away from Commerce City is what the Rapids have have had. So the Timbers obviously lost to the Rapids earlier this year. That was a major disappointment. That was on the road. Um, But this is a game that they have to expect three points. And given how close the standings are, um, when you look at the favorable schedule that you just talked about, these are the types of games the Timbers have to take advantage of if they want to ensure that playoff spot and potentially move um, out of sixth and fifth place to potentially host a knockout game. So, um, yeah, uh, this game, I I think, for the last few weeks has been circled on the schedule as a must win. Um, Obviously, we can get into it's not really a must win, but um, it would be a massive disappointment if they don't win this. So for me, at this point, it is a six points that they need to get out of these two games. Yeah, they need, need, need to win these games. That You look at the form chart and you say, the Timbers should win this. Uh, it, it's the home games against DC United and against Orlando City uh, and, and, and against uh, Colorado. I mean, gosh, those are three pretty easy home games uh, between between those three where you'd say, my goodness, if the Timbers get, you know, less than nine points out of that, that's a real disappointment. They need at this point those points. Uh, and, and those are the points that, that sort of will dictate if they get if they if the Timbers get every point they should, I'll put it this way. If the Timbers get every point they should, they will make the playoffs. Uh, it is overwhelmingly likely uh, that you know that there won't be some combination of San Jose catching fire and everybody above the Timbers sort of holding serve. If they get every point they should from here on out, they will make the playoffs. Uh, but and and those are exactly the kinds of things that are the points that they should get. Uh, and, and and so yeah, I mean you know three points are bust here. Uh, and I think if if they get less than that, it is really time uh, to to start you you know pressing red alert and really to become worried. Uh, about the weak performance <laughs> against New York, right? If the Timbers come out against Colorado, they lay the lumber to them, they dominate the game, uh, then maybe you do come out of this two-game stretch saying, yeah, you know, I mean, the Red Bulls game, it wasn't that pretty, but they got the points, uh, and it looks like they're playing good soccer here uh, against Colorado. If not, then, you know, I mean, we're all praying, <laughs> heading to Seattle. Uh, and, and that's not a good place to be when you desperately need points this time of year. Uh, we have uh, to talk briefly, I think, about the Timbers game at the Sounders. A uh, question from Casey. How possible is it, is it to win in that football stadium up north? CenturyLink Field, been a bit of a bugaboo for the Timbers. Uh, how possible is it to get that win? Yeah, it, it's possible. The Timbers have done it before. Um, that was in, in playoffs uh, in 2013. So it, it hasn't happened often and it hasn't happened in the regular season, but it's possible. I, I mean, even when you look at the last game um, at CenturyLink, that was a evenly played game that the Sounders found an early goal and then Timbers never, were never able to respond. Um, there have, have been other games at CenturyLink where I, I think – We've walked away saying that, yeah, the Timbers played well, but they weren't able to 
find a way to get the win. Um, it obviously when, when you look at stadiums, you go back and look at the records and you say, Oh man, this is a tough place to play. But, but those things can change really quickly. Um, you look year to year and there's been certain stadiums that the Timbers have done well in and other years they haven't. Um, so yeah, it, it's possible. They, they haven't done in the past. Um, but the Timbers played pretty closely to Sounders last time they went up there and, and are a good enough team. If they have a good day, um, and play their best soccer that they're capable of getting a win. You know, and and that's been the case in most of their visits to CenturyLink. There have been a couple of them where they really got where they really got crushed, uh, but really not more than that over the course of the Timbers' history. It's surprising in many respects that their record is as bad uh, up in, in in that stadium as it is. Uh, so yeah, I mean, absolutely, is it, 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 it's possible. There's no question. There's no way the Timbers could go up there and, and play as well as they do pretty consistently. Uh, and you know, and declare it to be impossible for them to get the win. That said, they haven't. They haven't made the plays that they've needed to make. They haven't put away the goals that they've needed to put away. Uh, and by and large, that's led to uh, a lot of disappointment. But is it possible to do it? Sure thing. It happened in the, the most important game that's been played between those two teams on that field. And so uh, there's no reason for me to think that it can't happen this time around either. Uh, questions, really penetrating ones. We, I mean, we've kind of gotten to a few already. So, uh, so these are really penetrating. What do you think, Jamie? Could you eat 50 hot dogs in a day? Ground rules. Uh, we're not talking about big sausages. We're, we're talking like, you know, uh, Hebrew nationals, uh, since you eat beef, beef, right? No, I have, I have great answer to this. <laughs> oh, veggie dogs, uh, chicken, you know, but, but, you know, regular sized hot dogs, uh, of whatever product you, you eat. Uh, could you eat 50 of them in a day? Well, what I was going to say to the hot dog aspect is that um, I've, um, to that aspect, I'll answer first. Uh, just, I haven't had, purposely had red meat um, most most of my entire life. I just didn't like it as a little kid. The last time I actually tried red meat on purpose was when I was like eight and it was a piece of a hot dog and I immediately felt sick. And so I have not had purposely you'll find that bacon's in a lot more. Some people don't consider that red meat, but I don't eat bacon either. You'll find that that's in a lot more things than you expect um, when you don't eat it. Uh, but I've not purposely had any sort of red meat. Um, definitely not hot dogs uh, since I was um, eight or younger. Uh, so I definitely could not eat hot dogs, 50 hot dogs in a day. I could probably eat like one and immediately feel sick. Um, as for veggie dogs, if we were going with that, um, I do not think so. No, uh, I, I definitely would get sick after just a few, I would think. <laughs> so here, yeah, this is hard because I, I'm assuming Patrick is, is giving me the full 24 hour window, right? Uh, so midnight to midnight. Uh, and could I eat 50 hot dogs in, in, in that period? I mean, hot dogs aren't very big. It's not, I mean, it's an overwhelming amount of food, but over the course of a 24 hour period, it's not like a ridiculously overwhelming amount of food. I just think the, the gastrointestinal consequences though would, would just catch up to me. And so I, I don't think I would be able like the, an idea of two hot dogs or so per hour for a few hours doesn't seem that daunting, but for 24 hours, I just don't think I'm going to be able to keep it up. Uh, so I'm going to go ahead and say no. Uh, although, you know, I mean, the, those itty bitty hot dogs, and especially if you can cut out the bun, be an interesting ruling on that. A, a, or, or if you could sort of like eat the bun separately, dip in water, uh, do that kind of thing like the, like they do in the competitive hot dog eating. Uh, if I could do that, I mean, 
It would not be pleasant, uh, but I, I still lean toward no. Uh, Kent wants to know, was Jermaine Taylor's handball for Minnesota United against Seattle over the weekend a deliberate <laughs> attempt to annoy Timbers fans? I'm going to say yes, because this was like... This was monumentally annoying to Timbers fans for, for multiple reasons. The obvious one, uh, of course, is that it's Seattle winning, and that, that I mean, that, that's annoying by definition. Uh, <laughs> the bigger reason it, it was uh, it was annoying to Timbers fans, it happened in the 94th minute. Uh, Minnesota was right there, ready to, to, to grab their, their point. And it was, in many ways, an identical kind of call. Uh, to the one that the Timbers didn't get that very well could have given them a draw last time they were up in Seattle uh, when Chad Marshall handled a shot from Darlington Nagby. I mean, basically the the exact same play. Outstretched arm, shot from, you know, close-ish range, but nonetheless outstretched arm, looks like it's on frame, hits the hand, kills the play. Uh, Ishmael Elfath, I think, rightly pointed to the spot. Uh, but nonetheless, that is that is definitely one that just pokes Timbers fans in the eye because, well, come on. So was that intentional? Was that was that a big conspiracy by the league? Uh, Jermaine Taylor was in on it. Elfath was in on it. Uh, just to, to to ruffle Timbers fans' feathers in this week before the rivalry game. Yeah, maybe, maybe Jermaine Taylor is like, um, that's not my team anymore. I don't know. Uh, yeah, it, it did seem like an extra annoying one for Timbers fans. So um, sure, I'll go with the entire conspiracy around it. Everyone was involved. So that's probably tinfoil hats all around. <laughs> tinfoil hats. Um, okay, Thorns, they played two games this week, the latter of which we forgot to predict. Whoopsies. Uh, but we did predict the former, and that was the Timbers 2-1 loss. Uh, the Timbers. The Thorns 2-1 loss uh, to FC Casey uh, that I have written down wrong in the mental notes. Uh, it was a 2-1 loss to FC Casey. Amandine uh, Henri got the scoring going with the penalty kick. Uh, but FC Casey came back with goals in the 65th and 69th minutes. Uh, to win the game. Our predictions, you called a 2-1 win with a Christine Sinclair brace. Nah. I mean, you had the 2 and the 1, right? But, you know, in the wrong order. Uh, I called a 3-1 win uh, with the Lindsay Horan brace. Nah. Zeros all around? Yeah. How did that one go downhill so fast? I, I, I think it is the question on everybody's mind. They got The Thorns got the opening goal. They certainly seemed to be fine. Uh, there, there were no sort of, in, in my view, sort of, warning signs that, that, that this was about to fly off the rails. And then for five minutes, it just did. Uh, why did you think it went downhill so fast? And did you, were you sort of similarly blindsided by it uh, like I was? Yeah, I, I didn't expect that. I, I thought that they were pretty well in control. They had, had played well. Um, I kind of was ready to ride this out and see them get another win. Um, I, I think they let their guard down. And even against... Um, a team that hasn't done quite as well this year. Um, Kansas City has a lot of talent, and um, they're on the road. It's not an easy place to play, and I think they let their guard down for a, a period there, and Kansas City punished them, and that's something that Thorns can't do. Um, th this is a team that's really trying to fight for the, to stay in second place, um, and I think they're lucky that Chicago also lost that night. It, it didn't put them back into third place or in a, a position um, where they were fighting to maintain that second place spot. Um, but given how close the standings are, given that the Thorns at the minimum want to finish in second and, and would love to find a way to push up and, and get that first spot if North Carolina fades at all, um, 
it, it was a disappointing game to see them drop when, when it was in their hands and, and they just had to find a way a, a team that's been a very good defensive team this year. They just had to find a way to close it out. And uh, there was a stretch there that I think they let their guard down. They didn't play their best soccer and Kansas city took, took advantage of it. FC Casey though, uh, take it away. And they also give it because they, on the weekend they did go to those suddenly nosediving uh, Chicago red stars, losers of three in a row, all at home. Uh, and FC Casey knocked them off three to one. Uh, in Chicago. And so that, that was certainly a big result uh, for the Thorns. But yeah, I, I, I agree. I mean, I, I thought it was very much a momentary lapse. I think the Thorns did a good job of, of keeping their a good share of the ball. They created a decent number of chances. Uh, I, I thought they did a, a respectable job of limiting FC Casey's chances. So on the whole, yeah, I was as surprised to see that go off the rails. I think we're on the same page there. But, you know, I mean, it, unlike the Timbers, that's not something that, that's been sort of a regular occurrence. And, and it does just sort of happen over the course of a season in, in a few games. Uh, and if there were any concerns sort of about long-term effects, uh, those concerns were immediately uh, washed away uh, on the strength of a 2-0 win over the Houston Dash that very easily could have been 5-0. Much, much, much better showing Lindsey Horan and Namadine Henri uh, were, were the goal scorers. Uh, was that the most dominant performance you've seen at Providence Park this year by any Portland soccer team? Yeah, I, I think so. I, I think the Thorns' other game uh, against the Houston Dash at home was also pretty dominant, and we were talking about that coming out. So uh, apparently they have the Dash's number at home. But yeah, uh, that was a game that, yes, um, it ended you know, s- sort of close, um, but it, it could have been 5-0. The, the Thorns were dominant in that game. There really wasn't... Um, any chance that the Dash were going to win. It it felt like the Thorns were in control the entire way. And I think, like you said, um, it was a good response to see. Um, the Thorns have obviously been, I think, the best team um, on points at home this in the NWSL this year. Um, they've always been good at home, but it was good to see them rebound uh, from a tough loss at Kansas City and in a short week where they had a lot of travel um, to come back and have a very dominant performance at Providence Park. You know, I mean, they, so the Dash were without Carly Lloyd in this game. Mm-hmm. They they weren't last time when when the Thorns uh, laid the lumber to him as well. Uh, but this, I, I thought, was even another level of dominance. I I, I just think uh, the, the Dash were outclassed basically from the first whistle. They sort of played their way into the game a little bit uh, late in the first half uh, and, and showed at least a pulse. But, I mean, otherwise, it was just all Thorns all the time. I think shots and did 20 to 6 or 7 or something like that. Uh, the possession w- w- was was heavily tilted toward the thorns. Uh, the quality of the chances wasn't even close. Uh, the thorns were were always going to be winners in this one. So yeah, I mean, I do think this is uh, between Timbers or Thorns the most one sided performance I've seen at Providence Park, at least in favor of uh, of a Portland team. You can look at that maybe RSL Timbers game and and make that argument for the other way. Uh, but that was, I mean, that was a little bit different. Although there was a red card in this one. Uh, Rachel Daly, if, if I'm remembering right, mm-hmm. picked it up uh, late in the game. That was well after the game was already over. I mean, they, you know, basically everything after the Thorns got that second goal was just the, the dash never, ever, ever, ever looked like there was even a chance they were going to score two goals. Uh, and, and so it was sort of garbage time for most of the second half, but enjoyable garbage time uh, nonetheless. The other question that comes out of this is, is Amandine Amandri Henri ever going to stop scoring? Uh, we're only, what, six or so weeks uh, away from, or separated from her getting her first goal as a thorn, and now she's scoring two goals in a week. What's going on? Is this a resurgence of Henri scoring, or is this, you know, just 
the law of large numbers sort of catching up and, and, and catching her up to where she should be. Yeah, I, I don't see it, um, you know, continuing in any big way. Um, this this time she showed that she could score with her head. I, I think that's something we knew, even though it hasn't happened all that often. I, I believe the game before it was on a PK. So, mm, meh. Um, but yeah, it's good to see her contributing. Uh, obviously, um, it would be nice for her to get on the board every so often with her position. It's not something that Thorns necessarily expect. Um, and it's not something that I think we're going to continue seeing every week, but, um, yeah, it's been helpful, at least in this last game. Um, it was beneficial at at the moment in Kansas city didn't turn out to make much of a difference, but, um, it's good to see her getting a few goals. And if you're getting, you know, three, four goals out of her a year, I, I think, with her position and with how the Thorns are expecting their other midfielders and attackers to produce, I, I think that's something for them to be very happy with. You know, and, and the only sort of substantive uh, point to make a, about this, I think, is that Allie Long hasn't been in there. And I think when Long is out, uh, a little bit more, not a ton more, but a little bit more attacking onus uh, is going to get uh, on Henri's shoulders. And she's going to find her, herself into the final third just a little bit more uh, than otherwise. Not a ton because of the way that the Thorns have set up. Uh, but nonetheless, I mean, when, when you have uh, one person sort of consistently coming out of midfield uh, in, in, in Lindsey Horan, another person uh, is coming out of midfield who likes uh, to do that in, in Allie Long, there are probably going to be a few fewer of those opportunities for Amandine Henry when they have that full uh, central midfield triumvirate in there. Nonetheless, uh, you know, good to see her, her doing that. Uh, and it's a nice little thing to have in the back pocket. So going back, I think, to the 10,000-foot level a little bit, uh, on the whole, how was this week for the Thorns? I I mean, you you dropped the result at KC. That's certainly a disappointment. Uh, Get a a convincing one uh, at home. Uh, You have the the Red Stars lose twice, both to the Rain uh, and to FC KC. The Thorns are now at a point where they're five points back of North Carolina, and North Carolina also having a game in hand. Uh, But they're also, at the same time, five points up on the Red Stars, uh, in, in that two to three gap, uh, how do you sort of assess the Thorns position coming out of this week as, as we did going into it? Yeah, I, I think it was a very good week for the Thorns. I, I think you have to kind of almost include that Chicago game in the week because um, it was uh, the weekend, midweek, the weekend. Um, and, and they did stay on the road between um, the Chicago and Kansas City game, which obviously impacted their preparation. Um, and so I think they did a really good job to to be able to get a lot of points out of this and keep pace in the standings. I, I think the fact that they're in second place at this point is really big um, and they have momentum with winning five of the last six. Um, obviously, it's a disappointment that they lost in that Kansas City game, but they're not going to win out. Um, I don't think anyone expected that. And coming off their second row game in a row without going home in between, that was going to be a tough game, even though it was against a, a, te- a beatable team. Um, but yeah, North Carolina is in a position where it's going to be tough to catch. Uh, North Carolina is going to have to fade, and they don't look like they're about to um, in the last few games that the Thorns have any chance of catching them. And I think I, I'm not going to look at this stretch by any means and say, man, they need that Kansas City game if they want to be in there. I, I think when you look at the NWSL shield, it comes down to the Thorns performance in the beginning of the year. And when they were just not um, as consistent as they needed to be, they are playing good soccer right now. They're picking up the wind, uh, plenty of wins. And, and I, I think they have to be happy with the performance this week, even though they weren't able to win out. You know, and 
it, it, for me, I'm I'm ambivalent about it because I, I think with with the loss in Casey, uh, it, it now sort of sinks in the reality that that you mentioned that no, the Thorns aren't going to be able to make a, a run for NWSL Shield, and and that is uh, largely as a result uh, of uh, of sort of their slow-ish start. They had a little bit of a slower start last year, nonetheless uh, took the shield. But uh, you know, I mean, with as well as North Carolina has played this year, showing absolutely no signs of slowing down in that respect, uh, I, I think the shield now is probably gone. That said, I mean, sort of the, the the benchmark that we were talking about last week as being what you want out of a regular season to declare it a success uh, got more attainable uh, over the course of this week because the Thorns do now have that five point cushion. Uh, between them and the Red Stars, actually, they're tied with the Pride, and frankly, the Pride are, are the far more dangerous team among the two of them uh, for to 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 make a run for the two spot. But I mean, you gotta love uh, with the remaining schedule. You've gotta love the Thorns sitting in uh, that two spot with the five point cushion. That's gonna be tough uh, for either Chicago or Orlando to to overcome. Uh, and so I think that is one uh, that that uh, on that level, you certainly come away being encouraged. Uh, by what you see uh, from the Thorns and, and, and the, their chances now of earning that opening round home playoff game, even if it looks like uh, if they get through, uh, there's a decent likelihood that they will have to go to uh, North Carolina in order to win the title. Uh, but upsets happen in that first round, as people in this city bitterly know. Uh, thorns at Rain. That's where they're going next weekend. Uh, the Rain are going to be, of course, as we talked about a couple weeks ago without Megan Rapino. Uh, the big question though may not be that, uh, because they did score four goals against Sky Blue, uh, over the course of the weekend. Sky Blue, in fairness, have been bleeding a lot of goals. Uh, they did not win that game though. In fact, they lost it. They, they went up 3-0. Uh, they were up 3-0 in the 47th minute. Uh, the Sky Blue rattled off three in a row to, to pull even. Uh, the rain put their noses back in front. Uh, and then Sky Blue put on two more. Sam Kerr had not one, not two, not three, but four goals in that game. Uh, and so I think the, maybe the bigger question than, the, than how they're going to cope with the loss of, of Rapino is, my goodness, is the backline okay? Like, uh, what's their mentality after having Kerr score four times against them uh, and to give up five uh, to Sky Blue? Yeah, that, that has to be demoralizing. Um, I think the Rain are, are still a very good team. I, I think they have been fading a little, and, and losing Rapino has been um, an issue. Um, she obviously was uh, the player that kind of uh, gave the Thorns the most trouble when they last went to Seattle. Um, but in terms of the defense, I, I think this is, is a back line that has done pretty well for the majority of the season. I, I think it was abnormal that they kind of had a face plant against Sky Blue. And while it is pretty demoralizing, I, I think I'm playing at home against a rival, th- this is going to be a situation where Seattle should be able to rebound it and get the right mentality and be ready for this game. So um, I think that Thorns, the way they're playing, uh, have the momentum. Um, they've never won at Memorial Stadium, but uh, like we've said, th- that can change fast. Uh, so I think the Thorns will have momentum. I-, I think that it has to be demoralizing for Seattle, but but I think these are professionals and um, they haven't been nearly that bad on defense this year and should be able to mentally rebound. Yeah, the Seattle Stadium that, that maybe has the, the the little bit of bad juju, uh, I would definitely not choose CenturyLink Field. <laughs> I would choose a memorial. It, it, it has been sort of a house of horrors from the Thorns, uh, for the Thorns. But 
Yeah, I mean, you've got to like this game about as much as any uh, for the Thorns going up to Seattle. Uh, without Rapino for, for the rain, uh, she was putting in, <laughs> I mean, obviously Sam Kerr's going to definitely win it now. But if there was anybody else to mention in the MVP race, it was Megan Rapino. Uh, and having her out is, is certainly a blow for the rain. Uh, the rain are sitting in fifth. They're uh, a couple points now off the pace. Uh, between Orlando and Chicago. That doesn't necessarily work in the Thorns' favor, though. I mean, this is sort of getting down to desperation time uh, for the rain, especially coming off that loss uh, to Sky Blue. You know, I mean, it's funny because that Sky Blue defense really has been struggling. They gave up five uh, to Orlando just a a couple weeks back as well. Uh, And so it's been a little bit of a house of horrors four to Washington just the week before that. So, you know, scoring four goals against Sky Blue right now may not be that much uh, of an accomplishment as much as, you know, giving up five goals uh, is a demerit. So this certainly is an advantageous time for the Thorns to go in there, even if it has been, uh, you know, not a pleasant place for the Thorns to go play in their history. Um, okay, let's go ahead and predict that game, and then we'll get to the Timbers. Uh, predictions, Thorns at rain, what do you call? I, I do think of all the games um that when the Thorns have traveled to Seattle, this, this one does set up um, pretty nicely for Portland. So I'm going to predict uh, a Thorns win. Uh, I'm going to go with the Thorns getting their first win at Memorial. Uh, they're going to win two to one, and Nadia Nadim um, is going to get the goal. Two one with a Nadim goal. I am not ready to predict that first win. I, I do think they're going to get a point. I think they're going to get a draw. Uh, but I'm going to go ahead and call two two with a Haley Rosso goal, uh, which would certainly wouldn't be the the worst result in the world. Would keep at least a three point cushion between them uh, and, and that and that third place spot with a, a tough road game sort of ticked off uh, ticked off the the schedule. So that wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. But uh, nonetheless, a little bit disappointing for the reasons that we have just discussed. Uh, Timbers Rapids, that's Wednesday evening, 7.30. What's going to happen? I think the Timbers should win, and they will win. Uh, I'm going to go with another 2-0 win for the Timbers. This one uh, will be a bit more decisive um, in terms of the feeling of the game than the New York one was. And I'm going to go with Diego Valeri. He's just going to keep scoring. He's going to get two goals. Can't stop, won't stop. Uh, I'm going to say 3-1 Timbers over the Rapids. I'm going to go Sebastian Blanco, uh, Diego Valeri's pizza-making mate. Uh, well, if you didn't see that, that video uh, from the Timbers today, it was nice. And it basically just sort of like jumped off of where your profile on OregonLive.com was coming from. Go read that. Go watch the Timbers video. Kind of fun. I mean, hey, look, it's Diego Valeri and Sebastian Blanco making pizza. Nobody's going to not like that. Uh, he is going to come out of the, the – the, he's going to pull a brace right out of that pizza oven for the Timbers uh, on Wednesday. And, and that's going to fuel the Timbers 3-1 win over the Rapids. Okay, the other game up in Seattle, Timbers at Sounders. What say you? I am going to go with a Sounders win. Um, this is going to be another difficult loss for the Timbers. It's going to be a 1-0 Sounders win. Um, and because it went the Timbers' way and we haven't seen it go the other way yet, uh, really, I'm going to predict that the Timbers have a goal disallowed by video uh, review. Oh, that would be so bitter. So incredibly bitter if, if that happened. Um, I'm going to say the Timbers are not going to win. Uh, they're going to lose 2-1. Uh, the Timbers are going to open the scoring, but they're going to be sunk by a Clint Dempsey brace, who always has a tendency to kill the Timbers. Uh, just for fun, uh, I will add that Dempsey will have a an incident in which people will argue for a red card, but it will not be awarded uh, because that like seems to be super common as well. 
Uh, okay, fantasy update in the top three. The third place, Timbertown, that is Lie, uh, just barely dropping down into third with 2,327 points. Benjamin, Beer City FC in second with 2,328. And the top spot remains Big Hearts Brass Balls. That is Aaron with 2,373. Uh, I dropped all the way down to 44th because I am a dope and I forgot to change my lineups. Um, so I had a bad, I had a bad week. Uh, as a result of that, in no fault of my own. We do have an important question, though. Very important question uh, coming to us from Brian. He wants to know if he starts playing fantasy soccer today, what are the chances he'll catch Jamie Goldberg by the end of the season? 100%. All you have to do is play one week. Jamie Goldberg, last place, zero points. Hop in there, Brian. Uh, You can claim those bragging rights for all time. We're Soccer Made in Portland. You can find us every week on OregonLive.com and Stumptown Footy. You can subscribe on iTunes and Stitcher. Uh, Thank you all for your questions. Thank you so much for tuning in this week. Enjoy the three games between now uh, and when we talk again. But we will be back again next week uh, to talk about those three games among, you know, the other stuff that comes up between now and then. Uh, Until then, enjoy the soccer. And as always, take care.